0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is our friend, Pastor Al Baker. And Al, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Thank you, Dan. I enjoy it uh, every time I'm on, and I appreciate very much your ministry.
0: (laughs) Well, likewise, Pastor Al. And um, before I forget, right up front, tell the folks what group you're with, and uh, where can they go on the internet to look you up?
1: Well, I'm with an organization called Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship, REF, and you can go uh, refglobal.org is is our uh, website, and um, it's uh, an organization that raises up evangelists around the, around the United States, but also around the world. In fact, we've got a, uh, a wonderful meeting coming up early September in Zurich, Switzerland, and we're doing that because we've got so many international workers now. So mm. it's a ministry of open-air preaching, evangelistic preaching in churches, uh, street evangelism, and so forth. And it's been around about 60 years now, and um, is really there's a really a, a growing ministry now. It's it's expanding considerably. We've got a lot of young men uh, in the ministry, so that's been it's been a blessing to work with these guys.
0: Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Sometimes, uh, dear folk, misunderstand the Reformed faith, and you know they think it only boils down to five points or whatever, and. that sort of thing, but it's so much richer than that, and often it's misrepresented. And uh, the case that we're going to talk about today falls into one of those categories where it's often misrepresented, and people really need to know what the Bible teaches about the perseverance of the saints, but also what happens when you have somebody like this case in point here today, Ernest Hemingway. And can you get us started and start talking about this case?
1: Yes. Well, Ernest Hemingway was born in July of 1899 in Oak Park, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. He grew up in a Christian home. His father was a very devoted churchman. His father was uh, actually very good friends with the, with the great evangelist D.L. Moody. Mm. Uh, Hemingway's um, grandparents were missionaries. He grew up in the church there in uh, Oak Park, Illinois, and he also was very faithful to his church and uh, very excited about uh, walking with Christ uh, until his early teens. And then um, he, would, at age 18, he would have been, it would have been in 1918 when World War I was going on and America was now in the war, he uh, volunteered as an ambulance driver for the Red Cross and saw a lot of carnage mm. and, in fact, was uh, wounded severely by a mortar attack uh, with shrapnel and uh, was not expected to live, but he did live. Um, but then from, from there on, he um, he really went the other direction. And, um, and there's, uh, as time went on, he became... Um, uh, very godless, and uh, he was a very adventurous man. I mean, he was a bullfighter, you know, an ambulance driver. You know, as I mentioned, and, and a big game hunter. He's very famous for his big game hunting in Africa, uh, his fishing. Uh, his he lived in Cuba. He lived in Paris. He was, uh, you know, from the world's perspective, a man's man. He could drink people under the table. People, a lot of people admired that about him, and. And um, in fact, it's interesting, in 1956, uh, he was, you know, extremely, he was a celebrity by that point. He was 56 years old then. He was a celebrity and written uh, Farewell to Arms and The Old Man and the Sea and many other really great novels. He he really, he changed the way novels were written. You know, the 19th century, they used a lot of uh uh romantic language, Victorian type language, and he used short sentences and uh really changed the way people wrote. So he was a literary a giant, to be sure, but a but a godless man. He mm. had at least he had four wives we know of, and he was um a serial adulterer on top of that. Uh but in nineteen fifty six he was interviewed by Playboy magazine and um he said uh uh, what is what does it mean to be immoral immoral means when you wake up the next day and you feel bad that's it. that was his definition of immorality oh my and then uh in that same article, the author of the playboy article by the way i don 't read playboy somebody
0: <laughs> no of course not no
1: i read this in an article <laughs> anyway uh he, uh the guy said uh, well you know some people would say that um Ernest Hemingway was a sinner, and the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death, but the author went on to say, Hemingway has cheated death numerous times. He's highly successful. He's been married four times, and of course the author thought that was a good thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He is a man's man. And so this idea of, uh, of the wages of sin is death is certainly not true. He's done extremely well. That was the way the article ended, I'm I'm told.
0: Unbelievable, yeah. Well,
1: we know that in 1961, he had a a place in um, uh, Idaho, you know, Sun Valley area, Ketchum. And in fact, I've actually been in the restaurant there in Ketchum where he was the night before he took a a shotgun and and shot himself, killed himself. So here's this world-renowned uh, literary giant, but was so depressed that he took his life.
0: That's so sad. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in this case, and you wrote about it. Uh, not because I'm a great scholar or I've read anything much of of Hemingway, but but he was a great man by the world standards. But it seems like he started off right, and then then he turned. In his teens, and he never came back to what was right. But but the world, the world lauded him, applauded him, and yet he had nothing. Really, he had nothing that counted. And um, this concerns me um, because you know we're Christians, and the Bible reassures us of our confidence. In the Lord Jesus Christ, so let 's uh, pause this discussion, this part of the discussion, and talk about what the Bible teaches for Christians concerning their confidence of being held by christ
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh one of the most wonderful doctrines in the Bible is the secure, the eternal security of the believer and and Jesus spoke of that uh, many times himself he says uh Truly, truly, in John chapter 6, he said, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, he who believes in me has eternal life, yeah. not may have eternal life, has eternal life. And uh, in John chapter 10, he says, No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. He's right. given them to me, or mine, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. I have given them eternal life. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, Nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our right. Lord. So these are these are wonderful doctrines. They're comforting doctrines. But at the same time, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews has several passages where there are pretty severe warnings. And the reason for the book of Hebrews is that by the time the writer wrote it, and I think Paul wrote it, but we don't know for sure, But by the time Hebrews is written, we're probably into the second generation of the church, and a lot of these people to whom he's writing had been Jews, and uh, their parents were converted, perhaps at Pentecost or very early in the church, but now they're into the second generation. And so, you know how it is, unfortunately, sometimes in the second or third generation, people don't take their faith as seriously as their parents or grandparents did. Yes, And that certainly seems to be the case with Ernest Hemingway. He grew up in the church, but it didn't mean the same thing to him that it did to his parents and grandparents. No. And so what the writer of the Hebrews is doing, on some, on some occasions, he's trying to convince with a, with a wonderful argument, okay, Jesus is higher than the angels, Jesus is higher than the priests, and so forth. But there are other times, for example, in Hebrews 6, in Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 12, where he gives severe warnings. And he says in Hebrews 10, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who lays aside the law of Moses dies on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who's trampled underfoot the Son of God has regarded it as unclean the blood of the covenant by which she was sanctified, and insulted the spirit of grace. Yes, yes. So, so, okay. So then the question is: All right, can people lose their salvation? Well, when we look again at, Ro- at Romans chapter eight, and John chapter three, and John six, and John chapter ten, and many other passages, it's clear that a Christian cannot lose his salvation. Well, if that's true and it is, then what do we make of passages like the one I just quoted from Hebrews right. 10? Well, I think it's very important and here it is. This is the this is the beautiful thing I love about the scriptures and those those great writers of the past, the the 16th and 17th century reformers and mm-hmm. so forth. And one of my favorites is Martin Lloyd Jones uh, who died in uh, 1981. And I was listening to a, a message by him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he he raised this question about people in the church that walk that fall away. And he said, he said, here's here's the situation: a real Christian, somebody who's born again um, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That person is has new life in Jesus Christ he will never lose his salvation. However, any Christian can, and we all at some point or another, fall into sin. Now, here's the deal. A real Christian, sometime, maybe immediately, if he has a tender conscience, but sometimes we allow our consciences not to be so tender. Sometimes we harden ourselves against God. But sooner or later, a real Christian will be humbled, and he will grieve over his sin, and he will repent at some point. On the other hand, those who have tasted of the goodness of God, who grew up in the church, who heard sermons, who went to Christian schools and so forth, but who turn away, those kind of people who are not born again are never really concerned about their sin. They don't own up to it. They're not convicted by the Holy Spirit's work because they don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and they can continue along, and they can be deceived. Uh, The the writer of the Hebrews speaks about the deceitfulness of sin, being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the, the unbeliever, again, who's been around the church can be affected by the gospel, but he will not He doesn't persevere because he can't persevere because he doesn't have new life in Jesus. And he's really never convicted of his sin. He might feel guilty for getting caught for what he did. A husband maybe uh, has an affair with his wife, and she's going to divorce him, so he cries. He's upset. But he's really not broken by the work by the work of the Spirit, right. if he's not really born again. So the Christian is grieved at some point by a sin. The all, What I would sometimes call the almost Christian is not convicted by a sin. He goes on in the hardness of his heart.
0: Yeah, that's a very helpful explanation. And uh, you've seen, because you do street preaching and you're very into evangelism. That's what God has called you to. Um, you've seen those who maybe they seem to start off strong, but it doesn't last, if I can use those crass terms. Um, so so you've been cautious how to describe the works of God. Uh, I've, I've noticed your caution as you've described people responding to the gospel, uh, mm-hmm. due to street preaching. Ha, right? Am I getting that right? You've been very cautious. Yeah, so
1: yeah, that's right. So, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, Well, you know, I went on this mission trip but I had I had fifty people got saved. Or you go know, on the street, oh I had I had ten people call on the name of the Lord to get saved last week. Well what I say when I see somebody call on the name of the Lord what I say to them is, now you are what I call a hopeful convert. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you're really born again, if you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, then you will grow spiritually. Just like when a child is born into the world, the child, because he's alive, is hungry. Right. And I'll say, you know, for example, when a baby's born, the baby begins to cry. Now, why does the baby begin to cry? Because the baby is hungry. That's why. And so a real Christian, somebody's born again, will have a hunger for the Word of God. And he will want to be with God's people. He will want to be in church. That's Those are the marks of a real Christian. So I'll say this, to people, sometimes. Now, if you're really born again, these things will happen to you. But if you're Not truly born again, then you are what we might call stillborn. You know, unfortunately, Uh. there are children who are born dead, and so people can make a profession of faith, but if they're not really born again, they're born dead. And the only way we know that for sure is over a period of time. Right. So I'll tell people, I'll say now, uh, here, I'll say now, look, we want to help you grow in your faith. Here's a Bible. Here's a church to go to. We'd like for you to come to our church or find a gospel preaching church. And I'll say, now we want to bring you along. And if they are born again, they will respond in some fashion, just like a child will respond. You bet. And so I'm very careful to say, well, I never, I never say to people, okay, now you're saved. Never doubt it because I don't know that they're saved. Now, if they really are saved, I'll say, don't doubt it. But I don't know. It takes time to know.
0: Yeah, so true, and and that's because we can't see the heart. Only God can see the heart. The person mm-hmm. uh, either is going to evidence the fruit of the Spirit and this mm-hmm. abiding presence of Christ day in and day out. Maybe not perfectly. None of us are perfect, but but they'll mm-hmm. stay with the stuff, as it were. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's right, and you know, and again, a beautiful thing is uh, again getting back to the security of the believer. You know, I, I'm always amazed by—I by, uh, think if I could summarize the whole Bible, it, it would be something like this. When God says, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. I preached recently mm. at a women's shelter. There's 400 women in this in this place. It's an amazing ministry here in Birmingham. And these are women who've been battered. They've been sexually abused. Some of them are drug addicts, alcoholics, whatever. And on the wall there, they have a picture of a before and after picture. They have a picture of when they first came in, Mm -hmm. and they're hardened. They look like mug shots. They're just hardened women. And then there's a picture of them after a year or so being in there, and there's a glow on their faces. And I was preaching to these women a couple weeks ago. It was an amazing meeting. I mean, I sense the presence of God there in a powerful way. These women are excited about Jesus because God has they they know from where they've come. And I was preaching to them, and I and I, I forget what passage I was preaching from. Now, but I was saying to them: if you are in Christ, and I went through a lot of what I just said, God will never let you go. You belong to God. Yeah and regardless of what your past has been like. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And I heard, I read somewhere, I think it was yesterday, somebody said, those whom Paul martyred welcomed Paul into heaven later on. Think about that statement for a minute. Isn't that amazing? That is a a remarkable thing. Yes. Boy, I
0: tell you, (laughs) if God can do that for Paul... And he was one yeah. bad dude. If God can yeah. do that per, for Paul, he really can do it for anyone that he draws to himself.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, so it's a glorious gospel. Uh, yeah. There's no question about it. And this is the message that the world needs. And uh, in, in what preachers and, and evangelists and, and uh, late people as well, what mm-hmm. we need to do is we need to realize – this is the only hope for anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is no other hope. We have, there's a guy that, uh, I don't know him personally, I don't know his family, who's just utterly hooked on pornography. He's been to uh, Hindu, Buddhist priests and everything else, trying to break it, and he can't break it. And I'm hoping to get with this guy and just say to him, look, none of that will work. No. Only, but, but, Jesus can set you free. And that's the truth. It and is. and we both know, and many of your in your audience know, there are many people they know where that has exactly happened to them. Right. They were enslaved to all manner of sin and God set them free. And that's the message that that everybody in this world needs to hear, and it's the only message of truth. So preachers and evangelists and lay people need to speak the truth in love and grace and mercy, but speak the truth and, and trust the Holy Spirit to draw people to himself. And when he does, their lives will change because they've been born again. God's taken out the rebellious heart that loves sin and hates God and has given them the heart of Jesus— that loves God and hates sin. That's the message.
0: Yes, yes. And dear listener, maybe you have something that's been pulling you down, something terrible, and you don't even want to speak of it, maybe. But come to Christ. Ask his forgiveness. Repent and and be determined to turn around and, and not continue to play with that sin because it will pull you down to a terrible, terrible condition. Now, Al, um, without sharing any information about some of your more sensitive witnessing uh, trips and whatnot, um, sometimes you go into dangerous areas, and the Lord watches over you, and you can't even talk about them over the air, because it wouldn't be appropriate And um, there's (laughs) – folks, this is a really dangerous world out there, and God is using this man of God, Al Baker, um, to witness and to preach the gospel and and to bring hope to people that are in very dangerous areas. So, Al, maybe you can say a few words about asking the folks to pray for you uh, as you look what's coming up in the next month, two months, three months ahead. Um, how can folks pray for you?
1: Well, I appreciate that, Dan. Yeah, I'm uh, leaving soon for uh, a part of the world that uh has been pretty close to the gospel, and yet God's doing uh, a pretty remarkable work in one of these countries. The other one, uh there's hardly any Christians at all, and they're both very dark places of uh, strong satanic influence, paganism, and so forth. And, um, and yet God has His people, as He always does in these places, and so I'm going to train pastors in how to multiply churches. Amen. What I call what I call apostolic church planting. In other words, ask the question, what did Jesus and the apostles do? You know remember that, that statement a couple of years ago, is, What would Jesus do? I said, well, I'm not really <laughs> interested in what would Jesus do? I'm interested in what did he do?
0: <laughs> and uh, and what he
1: it's not not only on the cross, but how did he plant churches and how did he yes. how did the apostle plant church so i 'm going there to teach guys how to do that as to multiply church planters so I, I would appreciate prayer for um not just safety but for God to really bless what we're doing Amen. and multiply at churches, these these men in these countries are the heroes, because they face persecution every day.
0: Oh, my. And yeah.
1: uh, they live in poverty, and yet, oh, they're just amazing people, and I love working with them.
0: Well, pray for our dear brother as he goes into a potentially dangerous area, but also that... God the Holy Spirit will move people's hearts to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him with their entire lives, and uh, change as a result. And uh, I love to think of the long range and uh, see God build Christian civilization. Can I say it? That's like a swear word nowadays. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I tell you— No, well, we should long for that. We have, we have we to long, long for
0: that. that. Yeah, um, Pastor Al, it's once again. It's been a real honor talking with you. And uh, Al Baker uh, puts out this devotional once a week called "Forget None of His Benefits." You can get on his mailing list. Just just do a search for what should they search for again on the internet to look you up?
1: Uh, R E F Global dot org ref R-E-F-Global.org.org.
0: Very good. Brother Al, God be with you, and, and we look forward to hearing hearing more about your ministry in some of these uh, remote areas. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure, and uh, may God bless you and your ministry. We're very thankful for
0: it. Amen. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.